Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Washington Weekly Podcast here on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. As always, glad to be joined by Shane Lieberman, Senior Governmental Affairs Advisor with Governmental Affairs U.S. here at UBS. So, Shane, thank you for dropping by for another episode. Great to be with you as always. Welcome back. Thanks, Dan. Good to be with you. Hope you're well. So, Shane, as our listeners know, over the past few weeks, we have been spending a lot of time on Decision 2024, the campaign trail. We did speak about Iowa last week. Uh, Now, this past Tuesday, we did have the highly anticipated New Hampshire primary. That's behind us, and that accounts for both Republicans and Democrats. So I'm curious what you took away from this week's results as we're now looking ahead to other states in the weeks to come, such as South Carolina. What are your thoughts overall on what we You've seen. Yeah, the results from New Hampshire were, you know, uh, I think largely expected, but still very interesting. You know, on the Democrat side, President Biden won, uh, but it was really interesting to see him win um, with about, uh, I think it was about 70% of the vote, because remember, he wasn't actually on the ballot. So people had to go in and write in his name, um, which is an interesting exercise, you know, to prevail in that situation. You got to have a a pretty good infrastructure in place where you have people kind of reminding voters to go right in a name. So it's it's good organization and good infrastructure, um, which is kind of a, we'll say, a practice run um, for getting out the vote in November. So, you know, uh, that is to some degree impressive, um, you know, but also you can look at it as, you know, you only... <laughs> He got he lost three out of ten Democrats, which you know may set off some alarm bells, um, and you know kind of reiterates you know I think that both parties um, have uh, uh, um, many voters within their parties that are desiring to move on from both their likely uh, presidential candidates, you know, and on the Republican side that was uh, on display as well, where Nikki Haley. You know, came in second, um, but with a, about a, a hundred and thirty thousand votes. You know, she um, had, I think, about forty-four, forty-five percent of the vote, which is pretty strong against former President Trump. You know, um, I think what the interesting thing there is is that you know, um, New Hampshire is a state where you know you don't have to actually be a registered uh, Republican or Democrat. You can essentially walk in. Uh, being independent and declare, you know, for that vote that you're going to uh, vote in the Republican or Democrat uh, primary. Um, so you probably had some crossover there, but it's also important to note that, you know, your crossover there was probably independence that will prove crucial in the race. Um, so independence going in and, and voting for Nikki Haley um, should be noted by the Trump campaign and, and set off some concern that, you know, they may have problems with the voters that cost them the election in 2020. So, you know, um, a lot of takeaways there. But, you know, we are already have moved on in, in some senses and thinking about Nevada and South Carolina. First up is actually South Carolina for Democrats, which is on February 3rd. Third, excuse me. Uh, Republicans aren't voting till later in February the 24th in uh, South Carolina. Um, and then after the February 3rd vote, you have on February 6th, um, Nevada has uh, their primary for Democrats and Republicans. However, the Republicans have a little bit of a, a different system here. They have a vote on the 6th uh, for the primary, but that really does not um, 
actually hold uh, a full weight. They then have a caucus on February 8th, which then uh, matters more. So, you know, you could even see um, Nikki Haley and um, President, former President Trump split the, the caucus and primary, which would be an interesting situation. But I think, you know, former President Trump is really trying to focus on South Carolina so that he can try and have a decisive victory against Nikki Haley in her home state, which in his mind would really put this to bed. I believe, you know, you've probably seen uh, uh, in the press reports that he's frustrated that she hasn't dropped out yet and and um, is really going after her hard. Um, he wants to move on to the general election. Um, but we'll see how long she actually stays in the race. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, we're getting the 2020 rematch, which, you know, millions of Americans don't want to see. But I think that's where we're headed. Yeah, to your point, it does seem like that's where we're headed. Some interesting takeaways, though, from what we witnessed this past week. And we'll, of course, keep our listeners, our clients informed on what the weeks ahead have in store as far as these primaries. So I do want to focus on one of the big issues on the minds of voters, that being border security. We've spoken a lot about the U.S. southern border here on the podcast over the past year and beyond, though we have been tracking ongoing border-related negotiations in Congress. And there were reports earlier in the week that those talks are at risk of collapsing. So, Shane, where does this all stand as of today? Yeah, I think um, it's teetering on the edge of uh, collapsing. You know, um, those reports have intensified, and the latest reports are that, you know, um, Republicans uh, may not be able to put this together and form a large enough uh, base of support to move it forward. Um, you know, the reality is, is border security is one of the most um, divisive in- issues in our, our country right now, right? Uh, not only border security, but larger immigration. And for Republicans, you know, um, border security is fastly becoming the number one issue. And at a broader scope of uh, Americans, you know, border security is uh, becoming a is starting to surpass uh, inflation in the economy as the number one issue. And Republicans, to a, a degree, sense that they have the upper hand on this this issue. You know, this is an issue that you know um, most voters that are concerned about it are really on the Republican side of the issue of uh, wanting more border security and a, and a tougher immigration system. So that is actually kind of dividing some Republicans where. You know, uh, there are a number of Republicans who want the strongest uh, border security measures uh, placed in this uh, bill that's uh, being uh, negotiated on funding for Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan, where there are other Republicans that say, listen, of course, I want something really tough, but this bill has to be bipartisan so we can only go so far. So what what would be a win for us? And um while there may be some strong provisions in there, you know, that may not be good enough for uh, enough Republicans to sign off on this agreement and have it come to fruition. So I think, you know, these um, negotiations and, and talks for a deal are teetering on the edge. And, you know, uh, um, you know, there is a pathway forward, but I really uh, struggle with how that gets achieved. You know, um, I think you've heard the expression, you know, um, they need to thread a needle. Uh, This is a very tough needle to thread, and and I I think they're going to have a tough time doing it. 
Yep, it's a very sensitive issue in many respects. So thank you, Shane, for updating us on the latest, and we will see how this all takes shape. I do want to turn to geopolitics for a moment because recently we have been tracking joint U.S.-U.K. military efforts to deter Houthi rebel fighters in Yemen from disrupting and attacking commercial shipping lines activity in the Red Sea. Now, we have seen this taking place over the past few weeks, so where do those efforts by the U.S. and U.K. military forces, where do they stand as of today? Yeah, there have been additional uh, strikes this week. You know, they, uh, the four U.S. and U.K. strikes uh, have, have struck um, more targets, including, I think, like underground storage units. Um, you know, this is a really tough one because, you know, there is no sign of the Houthis backing down. And, you know, the U.S. and U.K. are trying to figure out, you know, what would it take? And even to the point where the U.S. has asked China to urge Iran to curb uh, these red attacks in the Red Sea, you know, at, as we all know, you know, this is not only a dangerous situation because of everything going on in the Middle East and it can spread to a wider conflict, but, you know, the, there are real market implications because, you're getting to a point where uh, I believe at least one ship turned around uh, yesterday because of um, uh, attacks. And if ships have to turn around and take a, a longer uh, route to deliver their goods, that drastically increases the, the price of those goods. You know, I've heard estimates of, you know, um, one-third or 30% price increase. So this is... Um, not only could have a real impact in the, you know, geopolitical um, um, tensions that are arising, but also the economy. And, you know, you're seeing frustration from certain U.S. lawmakers who are engaging with the White House now saying, listen, like, help us, one, understand the plan and how that will um, get the Houthis to back down. And two, you know, we're concerned that you're uh, overstepping your authority. You know, the president does have authority to, you know, defend U.S. interests, but, you know, there is a question about this being actually U.S. interests because these are these ships are not uh, U.S. flagged vessels. So, you know, is the president stepping outside the, his authorities here? And that uh, concern is actually bipartisan. Um, uh, two Republican senators and two Democratic senators uh, sent the Biden administration a letter this week laying out uh, their concerns and asking a number of questions. So, um, there, there are, this is multi-pronged, you know, of what's going on here. It's ever changing. And, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll, as we repeatedly say to each other, Dan, we'll be, we'll be continue to be talking about this for a few more weeks. Definitely. Well, Shane, thank you very much for dropping by the podcast this week, for updating us on these key issues. And of course, I do look forward to picking back up with our conversation in the week ahead, in particular with respect to the campaign trail. A lot to talk about as that continues to ramp up. So thank you again, Shane, for dropping by and sharing with our listeners and our clients your insights. Absolutely. Good to join you again, Dan. Looking forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you, Shane. Again, today we have been joined by Shane Lieberman, Senior Governmental Affairs Advisor with Governmental Affairs U.S. here at UBS. Before we wrap up, a quick reminder to our clients and our listeners, you can locate the latest Washington Weekly publication available up on UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. 
Again, that's UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.